grateful to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful. They're to be fun here. conversations for me, especially like longevity and biohacking. That was the first half of my life is all I cared about. And I still practice a lot of this stuff. So I think we can have some good conversations here. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right. Rolling. You're rolling now. Joined by my guest, Greg Lindbergh. Now, all of us want to live forever, especially as entrepreneurs. I think we have an ego and we don't think time can take us down. And we think our money can add years to our life. And in some ways, uh, as, a, as a doctor and as an entrepreneur, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, so, Greg, I'm excited to dig in with you and your very unique journey into learning biohacking, learning how to live longer. Uh, a very unique journey. So, Greg, tell me a little bit about that. How did you, how did you learn this? You're not a doctor. Well, that's a great question. And I think we all have, there's a concept out there called fear of missing out. We all have a fear of missing out. We call it FOMO. FOMO, FOMO. thank you. <laughs> and FOMO is driven by what? It's driven by the fact that up until now, all humans have been terminal. Yeah. We have a terminal illness called aging. And, and we look at certain periods in our life as like, this is the last period in my life when I'm going to have children. This is the last period in my life when I maybe have the energy to start a business or the, uh, start a new career or learn the piano or learn mathematics or learn physics. So we all have this built-in FOMO that drives irrational decision-making. Mm. I think, sadly, most wars in this world are created by old men that fear of not having a legacy. So they go invade a country and, oh, this is my legacy. And it's, it's sad. But it, it creates untold bad decisions, this FOMO concept when you don't have the patience and you don't have a longevity ahead of you. And so I was um, fortunate to come across this when uh, I felt I had some time taken away from me on, on a legal battle. I uh, was stuck in a federal prison and I uh, fortunately had the time, I wanted to get that time back. So this program in the Lifelong Book uh, is really simply about giving you more time to do what you wanna do and pursue your passions. We all have passions. And this is about giving yourself more time. That's so interesting. You found this passion while you were serving time in prison. And you're like, they took this time from me. How can I get this time back? How exactly. can I reclaim this time? Exactly. That's such an interesting motivation. I love that you did that. What were your steps when you were in there? You said, hey, I need to, to get this, these amount of years back into my life. Here's what I'm going to do to achieve it. What were those, what were those action items? The most important thing, you know, we all have we're bombarded with things this is healthy for you this is healthy for you yeah. take vitamin c drink orange juice eat a lot of high fiber diet you know battle you know, of the diets there's millions and millions of messages coming at us on health and wellness yeah. how do you know what's accurate how do you know what's correct and so i have a gold standard in this book if it's not in a medical journal and it's not published and it doesn't have a hundred citations in a journal article and if you haven't read every single one of those citations then don't believe it. And so the research has to be sound, it has to be grounded, it has to be credible, and it can't just be one research study said that if you take ginkgo, you're gonna get smarter or whatever. No, it has to be hundreds of them. And so the, the grounding of, I, had a, I was doing time and I had time. And so I literally read thousands. I would get these giant mail bags. You, in, the, in a federal prison, you can get mail. So I, got, I would go down with this cart, a big, orange cart, four wheels, and I'd fill it up with mail every day. Um, and it would be full of medical journal articles printed out. And I would sit there in my little prison cube and I would read these articles over and over again. I highlight them with my little prison pen. And, um, and over time, a, a pattern emerged on absolutely science. It's 
100% proven with credible double-blind placebo studies, and that's the art of calorie restriction. Calorie restriction is not a question. Calorie restriction reverses aging. Yes. In fact, all the major anti-aging guys are trying to figure out how to do calorie restriction mimics. Yes. And of course, sitting in a federal prison, you're not going to get a calorie restriction mimic. Mm -hmm. You're going to get the basic food and a couple commissary vitamins, if you're lucky. Right. They don't give you 3,000 calorie meals at the end of the day. Well, well, they don't give you any special supplements either. Yeah. You know, they don't give you NAD or NMN or, you know, even, you know, anything. You get vitamin C and a multivitamin. And so uh, calorie restriction is the gold standard. It works on fruit flies. It works on rats. It works on humans. It works on everybody. And so that was the aha moment for me. So I started a really deep dive into what calorie restriction does. And um, there's actually surprisingly not a lot of studies on four or five day calorie restriction mm -hmm. because A, it's very hard to get humans to do that. B, it's almost an impossible medical regimen to follow yeah. if you're a physician to prescribe it. Um, but there are some back in the 80s that I uncovered that uh, were just monumental studies in the 80s. I guess they can get their their test subjects to do things they can't do now. They, they force these people, they didn't force them, they're volunteers, I'm sure, to do four or five day fasts. And the breakthrough for me moment when I saw this study on a five day fast, they had 20 volunteers that did a five day fast. Their brain growth hormone, BDNF, went up by 20 times, 2,000%. Their human growth hormone, HGH, went up by 10x. We, you know, I was in the gym last night, pounding weights. A lot of guys in there, they're doing, I'm sure they're doing anabolic steroids. I don't do any, you know, anything. And my muscles are growing because at the end of a four-day fast, like right now, I'm 85 hours into no food, my body is pumping full of human growth hormone again. Wow. And the study is 87 and hasn't been followed up on because who wants to do a four- or five-day fast? So I started to build this program with studies and really built on science. And then I had a real aha moment when I discovered quantum physics and the quantum biology. So we can talk a lot about quantum biology, but the quantum biology really brought it home to me on why this all worked. Yeah, let's, let's start with fasting, because that's a concept that's become popularized a lot in the last five years. Uh, it I is popular, that's a good thing. It is a good thing, and I think it is popular now because the research is so confident around, around fasting. And I've It's very compelling. It's very compelling. I've looked at a lot of the research. Uh, it's, it's very compelling. I think it's one of the best things that we have in medicine for longevity. No question. Uh, there's a, a funny medical anecdote. It's like, uh, say you have a pill that decreases heart disease by 50%, right. increases your lifespan by seven years, decreases your risk of kidney, lung disease, decreases your risk of cancer. Everyone would take that pill and probably pay a lot for that pill. But that pill is exercise, and almost <laughs> nobody does it. Well said, Jay. That's I exactly right. I think the same thing is true of fasting. It's not easy, so the barrier to entry for it is going to be so high. Well said, Jay. And, you know, fasting plus exercise is exponential. Yeah. Fasting plus exercise plus aggressive mental and social challenges is, you're, you're talking that's to the 10th power when you put it all together. And so it's, um, it's absolutely uh, the fountain of youth if you have the discipline to do it, which is really the story is trying to build your mind and your confidence in your social circle to allow you to do this. Uh, so, Greg, you were a very successful, are a very successful entrepreneur. You were put in prison with probably nothing to do for a long time, so your threshold for stimulation was was changed. I, I can see how you were able to read all of this, you know, train your brain and get into that motivation to do these fasts because you're mentally strong going into it. 
Um, but it's, it's challenging for a lot of people. So I'd love to hear your advice on starting that as a new habit, maintaining it, and actually getting through the first 24, 48 hours when it's the most difficult and people really want to eat. Like what mental challenges are they going to encounter and how can they push through them? That's a great question. Um, I think the most important thing is belief. You know, the old Napoleon Hill saying, if you can see it and you can believe it, you can achieve it. You have to have a burning desire. It, getting through challenges starts with the why. Why are you getting through this challenge? What do you, you have to have a burning desire in life. You want to build a company. You want to build a family. You want to build a career. You want to do something new. You have to have a burning desire in life to achieve something in order to withstand the challenge of getting through it. And so I think you got to start with what are you going to do? If you had an extra 20 years or if you had an extra 50 years or be bold, you had an extra 100 years on your life, what would you do with that time? And get excited about that and get passionate about that. And then you can take the pain and the agony of coming back to today. I've got to skip every single meal for the next two days or three days or four days. And so put that goal and then do a vision board. I mean, in, in, in a prison, it was all mail. We didn't, we didn't have electronics. So I put up a vision on my wall. I taped something to the, to the wall. I create affirmations. A daily affirmation is very, very important. Um, and very specific goals. And then be incremental about it. It's like you go to the gym and you're not going to start doing four hours of deadlifts and squats. You're going you're gonna to do it, take it easy first. So you got to be very incremental and very methodical. For me, it all comes down to writing. The, the most important thing, if you're going to do this program, you got to write a goal down in hand, not on your computer. Don't type it up. Take a piece of pen, take a piece of paper and a pen and write it out and look at it every day. This is my goal. I do, I, Greg Lindberg, do hereby commit to doing 10,446 90-hour consecutive weekly fasts, period. Sign it with your name. I, Greg Lindberg, will use all force of my energy, and I will commit with the full force of everything I have to complete this goal. Yeah. Those are and good so you're holding, you're holding yourself accountable. Yeah. The accountability, the affirmations, and the why. Exactly. Uh, all very important concepts in business, too, and in Everything. self-development. Everything. Uh, Greg, walk me through what happens to your body during a five-day fast, because I've never done one. It sounds terrifying. What happens in your mind, and what happens physiologically in your body? What changes go, go, go on? It's a massive roller coaster. The, first, the start of your fast is the last bite of food, and that's the, the biggest fear moment. I start my fast at 12.33 a.m. on Monday mornings. It's Sunday, late Sunday night. And that even every week I do it, it's like I try to shove in that last bite of food. And it's a very, very difficult moment. Um, I have this cutoff. It's, it's good if you have a cutoff. It's midnight on Sunday night. That's my cutoff. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if you try to have a flexible cutoff, it's never going to work. you got to really have a hard, this is the beginning of my fast. And then you usually sleep very well. You're full of food. Your stomach, my, sto I, my stomach literally gets fat. I eat so much food. I'm gorged. And um, it's hard to avoid the ice cream and the, the sweets at that point because you just want to get it all in. And you want something you feel like you can treat yourself. So I maybe eat some junk food. And then I, I sleep pretty well uh, Monday night, and I get up. And Monday I'm lethargic. I'm, this is my first day of my fast. I'm full of food, full of calories, full of carbohydrates. I don't really want to do anything. I'm lazy. I'm desultory. I'm just, I'm, I'm not good for much. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then I slam into the I slam into the fast. Uh, Monday night, I do my longest workout. I do a four-hour hardcore cardio and weight workout. I try to burn up all the sugar in my body. So from like six to ten, six. I, I start at six and maybe six to you know midnight. Um, I'm six to ten that kind of range. I'm working out, and by the end of that, I'm hungry. And my fast has really started. I, I try to burn up as much as my sugar uh, in that first day. And Monday night, surprisingly, on a completely empty stomach, I sleep great again. I'll sleep another. Sometimes on Sunday and Monday nights, I'll sleep 10, 12 hours. This last week, I slept 12 hours in a row, both wow. nights. Impressive. Because my body's full of food, uh, Sunday night, and then Monday night, your body is really not starving. It just it, The 36-hour the, 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 the fast is a piece of cake from a biological perspective yeah. we're totally programmed to do that it's not going to hurt you piece of cake you can do it you can do it once a week and so you're going to sleep well tuesday night as well on an empty stomach after a four-hour workout you'll sleep great you'll be tired but you'll sleep great are you struggling through any of that are you hungry are you stomach groaning yes yeah i forgot i forgot to mention you'll go through on that monday you'll go through all the human emotions you'll go through first of all pain of your stomach yeah lots of stomach pain You'll think, I mean, what's going on? You know, it's not very uncomfortable stomach pain. You'll go through depression, uh, especially if you had a lot of sugar over the weekend. You'll, you'll come off that sugar high, and it's, it's a come off. It's, sugar is a drug. It's a high, and you'll crash, and you'll get depressed. I, I have the Monday blues. It's like I, I just feel depressed. I feel like I can't do anything, you know, um, and you just have to power through it. So depression, anxiety, fear, hunger, starvation, it, it's all going to hit you, and you just got to power through it, and then you sleep really well Tuesday night, and then all of a sudden you start to get your brain drive neurotropic factor, your brain growth hormone starts to go up on Tuesday, and you start to get the inkling on the Tuesday of this new energy, this new clarity, yeah. this new talent. It's like the the old Greg that now my perception of myself is when I have no food in my stomach for two or three days. That's the Greg I know. The Greg that I don't know is full of food, just has no detail orientation, just has is all kinds of, uh, you're lazy when you're full of food. Yeah. And all the so blood's going down there, not up here. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So why I don't eat breakfast. It makes me slow during the day at work. I think that's such a, a quick productivity hack that I always talk about. That's a great idea. Yeah. Skip breakfast. And I was, for decades, I was afraid to skip breakfast. I couldn't skip breakfast. Um, the PR campaign, you got to eat breakfast. Was exactly. Was yeah. Most important meal of the day. Exactly. Such BS. It's total BS. <laughs> and not only that, but eat breakfast with a glass of orange juice and a bowl of cereal, which is the absolute worst thing. If you are going to eat breakfast, you've got to eat a lot of protein and natural fats yeah. and not a lot of carbs. And you mentioned this uh, hormone brain-derived neurotropic factor. Yes. Funny, I take a, a peptide called C-Max. It's a Russian peptide. Ah. Uh, that's, that's how it acts. It, it makes you smarter and improves your memory. It does that through brain-derived neurotropic factor. So you can get the same effect without shooting a peptide into your, into your fat every day. You can do it through fasting. I didn't exactly. know that. Very exactly. Cool. I have seen a lot of great success with peptides. There's a lot of emerging longevity clinics. If you get the right advice and you do the right research and you're not able to fast for whatever reason, peptides can be very powerful. Uh, and I think there's a whole emerging science on that. So day four, you start to see those, those benefits start to emerge with the... I tell you, you start to see on day two mm -hmm. is when I start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And by the end of my workout on day two... Uh, by the end of Tuesday night, after I do another couple-hour workout, I all of a sudden see new mental clarity, new creativity, new discipline, 
new organizational skills, new social skills. And I can see in my notes, my notes are getting more accurate, more detail-oriented, and I'm able to handle things quicker. And all of a sudden, uh, that 48-hour mark, by midnight on Tuesday night, I break through the 48 hours is a critical point for me. Yeah. You break, if you can break through 48 hours and no food, you're going to be on fire. Wednesday is going to be a wonderful day. If you start fasting midnight on Sunday, by Wednesday, when you wake up, you're going to be on fire. You're going to get dressed. You're going to get... You're going to shower. You're going to attract your email. You're going to handle your problems, your challenges, faster than you've ever done before. Yeah, amazing. It's just going to be like, well, it's going to be, it's going to be effortless. Is that when? And you can correct me if I, I haven't looked into fasting for a while. But at some point, your your body switches from using your carbohydrates and sugars for energy to your starts to use, to use ketones. Exactly. Which your brain actually operates much better on. Exactly right. All right. Talk to me a little bit about. Uh, biomechanics of, of fasting? What happens with uh, the hormones in the body and the, the consumption? In a very simple nutshell, you've nailed it. Um, the, when you burn up all your sugar and you burn up all your liver's stores of carbohydrates, ultimately, your body starts to burn your triglycerides, your fat. Mm -hmm. And you, it's a long process. It's not overnight. It takes... In my experience, I don't think I'm on a full ketone. It's all a matter of percentages. I haven't done the test, but I think by Wednesday, I'm probably burning 70, 80% ketones. Um, there's still some carbohydrates left. But the key is to slam your body into a ketogenic state by exercise. If you, if you do fasting, it's helpful, but if you do fasting plus exercise, it's exponentially helpful. Mm. And so um, by the time you burn up your sugar, you're burning ketones, and the, the, the aha moment for me was when I read a study that said that the electron transport chain of the mitochondria, which is the organelle inside every one of our cells, that is the energy. We call them the, in, you know, high school biology, you learn the mitochondria is the engine of the cell, right? Powerhouse of the cell. Powerhouse of the cell. That's what we call it. That powerhouse will shut down in the presence of sugar. Mm. Say that again. The powerhouse of your cell shuts down in the presence of glucose. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Exactly wow. So wait a minute. That's why when I'm full of carbohydrates on Monday, I have no energy. My brain is in park. I can't do anything. I just want to sleep. It's because my, my mitochondria, and there's 37, trillion, 37 trillion cells in your body, and there's 1,000 mitochondria in every one of those cells at least. So that's what, 37 quadrillion mitochondria in your body, something, a huge number like that. Those guys all shut down. 37 quadrillion doesn't motors. Sound good. Doesn't sound good. No. But when you feed them fat from your digested on your body, they not only come to life, but they also replicate. And they also form long chains. They get bigger. Their mass increases. Their number increases. They're little bacteria, and they replicate like mad. And they start replicating faster and faster the more, s the more you feed them ketones. Wow. All right, so... Getting through that first 48 hours, easy. Then your body switches to processing ketones, and right. it starts to become a little bit easier. You start to see a lot more cognitive benefits. Right. The first 48 hours is brutal. Yeah. Um, and when you make that 40, you break, I call it, you know, the, the, the doors break on through to the other side. Mm -hmm. You got to break on through to the other side. If you're going to do this for real, break on through to the other side beyond 48 hours. Because by Wednesday, the hunger starts to recede, and you see the massive personal, creative, physical benefits. And um, and then by Wednesday night, something else happens. 
your requirement for sleep goes way down. Mm. Uh, I slept this week. I slept 12 hours Monday, 12 hours Tuesday night. Wednesday, I slept six hours. Last night, I was lucky to get four. Here we, here we are on a Wednesday night uh, at the end of my fast period. I was lucky to get four hours of sleep. And, I, and, I, and so your sleep starts to go down, which makes perfect sense if you're starving and it's a million years ago and you got to go out and hunt. The last thing we need is a lazy guy that wants to sleep. If you're a hunter and you got to collect berries or you know, you know, find animals to feed yourself, you've got to be awake. Do you think it's because your sleep requirement goes down, or you're you're just less able to sleep because you're so hungry? Do you feel, uh, do you feel refreshed in the morning after you wake up with four hours of sleep? I've struggled with that. It's a great question, Jay. It's a very perceptive question. I've struggled with that. I struggled with that this morning. I got four hours of sleep and I laid in bed for an hour, but I'm really tired. I really want to sleep, but I can't sleep. So screw it. I'm going to get up and work. Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't feel fully refreshed, but your brain is sharp as a tack. Yeah, you can still work. You can, uh, and you're you're great, you're great at it. I mean, right now I got four hours of sleep last night. Normally, me on four hours of sleep, I'm terrible. But right now, I'm doing all right. Yeah. I feel pretty good. And so, um, it's uh, I think, I think everything is about survival of our species, and our species learned for millions and millions of years. And before we were humans, before we were bipedal, when we were when we were single cellular organisms, our DNA learned that we had step up and get stronger when we starved. That's the point. From the beginning of single cellular life, starvation was the constant in our evolution. Right. And our body adapted to it. Exactly. Yeah. And it made it into a strength. Our bodies are pretty clever things. And we turned starvation into a strength. Greg, walk me through breaking your fast. How do you break your fast and why five days? Have you ever gone longer? That's a great question. The longest I've ever done was 118 hours. I would love to go longer, but I was losing too much weight. I got down to about 165 pounds, and right now I'm about 180 pounds. It was I was too light, and uh, one of the one of the uh, one of the health gurus out there says intermittent fasting doesn't work because you lose too much skeletal muscle mass. I'm I'm proving him wrong because I'm gaining skeletal muscle mass every week now. So I didn't want to be skinny because a skinny looks old, skinny looks weak, yeah. and so um, I think. Uh, I think the optimal fast for me is when you don't lose weight and you gain lean muscle mass. So right now I've tried to optimize. I've gone, I've gone 118 hours and I've gone as short as 90 hours. Right now I'm a 90 hours and I'm gaining about a quarter pound every week. If I'm really, really diligent about a high protein diet and really high quality diet, I can gain about a quarter pound a week. My goal is to get up to 190 pounds. And you're exercising during your fast, which a lot of people don't. You have to feel physically weak. You push through that and you exercise. You must exercise. I mean. And my program, exercise is the absolute, it's the X factor. It's, if you don't exercise, your body might not really get to a really ketogenic state. You might have enough stored, you know, sugar is stored in your liver, and it has to get burnt up. And that could take a period of days. Mm-hmm. So exercise is critical. And exercise, frankly, if you do one thing in life, exercise. Even if you don't fast, just exercise. Exercise is better than fasting. Exercise is the single best thing you can do in life. If you don't, if you can't, if you only do, if you if you just eat three meals a day, exercise. I'm with you there. I, I agree. Exercise is the most important thing. Absolutely. How do you break your fast? What's what's that meal? Do you have a favorite food? It's a it's a really good question. You have to be very scientific about breaking your fast because you will absolutely gorge yourself on whatever's in front of you. And once you get to sugar and carbohydrates, you can't go back. Um, so fasting, breaking the fast, is very difficult. 
it's it's an enjoyable, wonderful time. I, I do my I break my fast and family dinner on Thursdays uh, with all my kids and um, you know your loved ones, and you you gather everyone around and um, you break your fast very slowly and methodically, and you start with high quality lean protein. And you introduce maybe some vegetables and some, some high-quality natural fats and oils like nuts. Mm. And you go slow, um, if you can. My problem for, for, for I'm doing this, I'm on my 123rd weekly 90-hour fast today. Um, and so in the beginning, I, I, I gorged myself. I, I puked about half the time when I broke my fast. I just could not stop eating. And I'd eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, you know, just junk. And I puked a lot of it up. It was, it was terrible. Wow. So my challenge right now is to eat slowly enough, not give myself a massive stomach ache to puke it up. Yeah. Because you have this, I mean, refeeding syndrome, these people do hunger strikes, have a refeeding syndrome. You can die. You can Very absolutely die. Your stomach can explode. Um, there's a lot of stories of people in villages that were you know, under siege during wartime, and they were starving, and they got refeeding, and a lot of people died from exploded stomachs. Yeah, so electrolyte imbalances, too, because people's bodies ad adjust to the fast, and if you change that biochemistry too fast, you can exactly. die. Exactly. Exactly. You got to be very careful, and it's why you're not going to slam yourself into a four-day fast or a five-day fast. Um, do it slowly and work your your body learns to starve. You know, every electrolyte balance is very important. But I I, d I don't take electrolytes in uh, in the middle of the summer, and I work out outside every day in Tampa, and it, no problems. But my body's learned how to do it over time. Very cool. So, Greg, your new book, Lifelong, references quantum biology. Yes. Explain how the quantum realm is interweaned with longevity and fasting. The quantum realm, when we say quantum, uh, the most important thing for your, for your listeners and viewers to think is that quantum is anywhere and everywhere. When we say something is in a quantum coherent state or a quantum supervision, all these jargons that quantum physicists use, we mean it's anywhere and everywhere in the universe. And it's been shown to be true by thousands of experiments. We've shown that on a quantum level, reality exists in a state of an infinite probability wave. So reality is a wave of probabilities. And the, the punchline for me was that I came across the latest research. This is cutting, cutting edge research in the last 10, 20 years. The research is coming out that all of your biological processes pretty much are quantum processes. Wait a minute, your consciousness, your DNA replication, the electron transport chain is a quantum process. The electron transport chain is quantum tunneling electrons down that chain. Yeah. That's why it's so efficient. The enzymes, your RNA, that replicates your DNA, that's an enzyme. That's enzymes only work because of quantum processes. It's not a classical uh, chemistry process. It's a quantum process. What I mean by quantum, I mean quantum tunneling. And quantum tunneling is the same quantum tunneling that allows protons in the sun to quantum tunnel to create the power of the sun. It's, it's that proton can quantum tunnel through a barrier that nothing else can quantum tunnel through because it can become anywhere and everywhere in the universe. And so these are very big concepts. But it, what does it mean for fasting? What I discovered, my aha moment, was that I realized that when you're fasting – your quantum tunneling, your quantum coherence, all the quantum processes in your body, from your consciousness to your DNA, replication, the performance is vastly increased. The quantum 
coherence in the quantum performance of your body is increased through starvation. That was the aha moment because quantum is everything in biology. Every, every biological process, in my humble opinion, is quantum. Um, and quantum is not local. Mm. Quantum is anywhere and everywhere. So put two and two together here, when you're fasting three or four days in, you're connecting with something that's non-local. Your body is going non-local. Every single femtosecond, our body is quantum tunneling to non-local someplace. We don't know. But we're connected to the universe. We're connected to our fellow man. We're, con we're connected to our animals, the plant. We're all co every the universe is totally connected, and we're connected to it. And I think after three or four days of no food, I challenge you to tell me you don't feel more connected to your fellow man, to the universe, to nature. You do. I could tell in the prison yard after four days of no food, I felt connected, more connected to my fellow inmates, and they felt more connected to me. I could tell. Interesting. And I don't know why that was. I don't have the scientific proof behind it, but it was a very clear phenomenon. A Friday, of after five, in prison I did a lot of these five-day fasts. Friday, I broke my fast. By four o'clock on a Friday afternoon, I was breaking my fast. I could walk through the prison yard and I could say hi and have conversations with 30 different of my fellow inmates, and I, could c I felt I could connect with each one of them in, like tw you know, in, a, in a matter of five minutes. It's just you, you feel this connection, and I think it's because we're quantum tunneling. Our consciousness is non-local. None of these things are proven, of course, but I felt it, and I believe it. Yeah, this sounds like a, an insight that you can only get from fasting. Uh, Peep, absolutely. As a, I mean, we learn about all these microprocesses that go on in our body, like the electron transport chain, like the R RNA, DNA. These things are so small, and we know that they work. We know that they exist. Right. But the, if you broke down the, the mechanism of the electron transport chain, I mean, it's the pieces of it. We don't understand it. No, we don't understand it. We don't understand it. We can't, re we can't replicate it. We don't understand consciousness. We don't even know where consciousness sits. Does it sit in the brain? Does it sit out there? We don't understand most the most basic fundamentals of our life um but I understand how you feel and i feel like that well said jay yeah exactly right we do understand how you feel. science and medicine and this crazy world of biohacking um, there's a lot of a lot of stuff out there a lot of products a lot of uh, suggestions a lot of supplements and understanding how you feel while while doing that protocol i think yeah. is the number one tell for whether or not that thing works exactly your diet yeah, and, and pay attention to your body. You know, that, that's an excellent point. I'm really glad you said that. The most important thing of embarking on any kind of health and wellness program is pay attention to your body. Your body is your best data source. Studies, people, advice, put it all aside. Pay attention to how you feel, how you look, how you behave, and what physical, biological signs you see in your body. Yeah. And then do your own studies. My big epiphany was when I did my telomere tests. I did my telomere tests, and my telomeres went from age 60 to age 30. Can you explain what a telomere is? The telomere is the end cap on the cell. So all of our cells have little end caps. They're like shoelaces. Mm -hmm. And as that shoelace has a little cap on it, and if that cap completely unravels, the shoelace is going to unravel and fall apart. And so the theory was, for a very long time, that our cells can only replicate 40 or 50 times in their life cycle before they die and become senescent. Yeah. And that's because the telomeres get critically short, and once you have a critically short telomere, the DNA doesn't replicate accurately. The end cap 
of the telomere on the DNA allows the DNA to replicate accurately. If it's, if it's frayed, it's going to replicate poorly, create a senescent or a cancerous cell. And so my telomeres in 2018 were not surprisingly critically short. I had a you know, rough, stressful life, uh, family life, and business life. None of it was a cakewalk. And uh, my telomeres were critically short for someone at age 48. Mm -hmm. And then I got them retested a few months ago over the summer this year. And they were went from 7.1 kilobits to 8.57 kilobits. And 8.57 is the average for a 28-year-old based on the data set uh, that the testing company provided. It's amazing. It's shocking. It's shocking. So you can look at all your bio... Um, you know, your biorhythms and your feelings and other, but you get a piece of hardcore data like that. And it's a sample size of one, given it's just my data. Yeah. It's your data. It's very powerful. What other biomarkers, levels, do you monitor for your own longevity studies on yourself? What are important metrics to look at? You know, um, the most important for me for a long time since I was sitting in a prison cell, I didn't have any blood tests or anything, was simply the color of my hair. And the amount of gray hair that was falling out. It's a biomarker I love because I can see it every day. And uh, when I work out, still to this day, I get 90% of the hair that falls out is gray. But right now, if you look at my hair, this is all natural, no hair coloring, nothing. It's clearly not 90% gray. It's maybe 15, 20% gray. We'll do the math. What's the probability of 90% of my hair falling out is gray? And I did this study over and over again. I took pictures on my phone. I had seven hairs fall out while I'm working out because when I work out, you rub your head and hairs fall out. I had seven hairs fall out, or I had ten hairs fall out. One was red, seven were, or eight were, nine were very gray. And what's the probability of that happening when 90% of my hair is red? Well, it's a very low probability, and they're having that every day. It, it's like one in 100 million. It's not, it's not, it's not a chance. It's a, it's a fact. It's a data point. My hair is getting darker and darker red, and the gray hair is falling out. Mm -hmm. So it's very simple biomarkers like that. My ability to remember names. I was talking to uh, one of my uh, team members yesterday, and he joined, uh, well, he's been here 15 years almost, and we were talking about some of the people he worked with 15 years ago. I said, you remember Roxanne? I remember Roxanne. I mean, that name just came right to the top of my head. You know, I'd seen her, met her, talked about her in 15 years. Um, so your memory starts to improve, and your, um, your mood, your outlook, and then you start to look at, you know, all the other things, your body, you start to get lean and all those other things. But color of the hair, memory are the two things I notice right away. Yeah, those, I, are, those are very interesting. People ask about reversing gray hair all the time, and I don't have an answer for them. Uh, not losing your hair is one thing. Reversing right. gray hair is another. Uh, so fasting, that could be, could be something worth looking into as a scientific community, too. It, it, it's, it's really simple. Gray hair, yeah. The melanocytes are the pigment cells in the hair follicles. And the hair follicles, um, they run off mitochondria. And when the mitochondria get uh, worn out, when the mitochondria get below a certain number in each melanocyte, mm -hmm. the hair turns gray. It's just simply the mitochondrial copy count in your melanocyte that determines the color of your hair. If you see someone with gray hair, they just got a bunch of dead mitochondria in their head. It's that simple. Very interesting. Uh, so, Greg, with this new book, is it another book on fasting? What are people expected to learn reading Lifeline? And what was your? T I'd love to hear about your process writing this too. Is this something you you wrote while you were in prison? 
I, I did um I did come up with a lot of ideas in prison. I had a I had a ghostwriter help me. He didn't want he did not want to be named, but I'm very grateful for his work. Um, his contract did not allow him to be named, but he helped me write it. He was a wonderful writer. Um, so after I got out of prison, uh, I retained a, a ghostwriter, and he did a wonderful job uh, helping me through it. I give him all my notes and my uh, my handwritten uh, scribblings, and he helped me turn it into a book. And um, it's really this book is a, is meant to be much more than fasting. Mm. This book is about lifelong. This book, the most important thing is not about fasting. It's about finding your passion and connecting with your fellow man. And in prison, I was had the fortune and opportunity to coach and teach my fellow inmates. And connecting with your fellow humans is absolutely critical. You have to give back. You have to connect. You have to become part of a community. And you're going to want to do that. After four or five days of no food, your social ability and your ability to connect is off the charts. I'm a very low social person. That's an interesting pitch that I've never heard before to get into fasting. Absolutely. That's very interesting. It's simple because... A million years ago, when our tribe had no food, you'd better be able to be social. You'd better be able to coordinate. You go over there, you go over there, we're going to go over here, and we're going to get some food. Yeah. Social ability, even your family and your children hunting for food, you had to coordinate. And you had to be social. We're, we are very social creatures, we humans. And when we're starving, we get more social. Mm. Surprisingly. It's the, most, it's the most wonderful thing. The relationship with food is just so interesting. It's like when we're starving. Living your life starving, but more able to connect, more able to process information, better memory. The trade-off, I don't know, is worth it. How, how has it changed your relationship with food? Do you, do you hate eating? Do you prefer your state and the starving but sharp state? That's a great question, Jay. You're very perceptive. Over in the beginning, the fast was just brutal. I had to just, I mean, I in the beginning, I worried about everything. Can I even talk when I'm fasting? Can I even work? Can I even do anything and I, I was worried about in my prison job going to my boss and she would call me in and assign me tasks and I was worried about oh, I got to talk to my boss in the prison today and am I gonna be able to do it because I'm four days of no food I worried about these things and after doing it now over a hundred times in a, in a row a hundred weekly fast in a row it's like it's gonna enhance your skills you got to believe and you got to trust it's gonna enhance your skills in everything you do um, and so my relationship has completely changed. In the beginning, it was fearful and scary, and I, and I really, it was very challenging. Now, I can't wait to break on through to 48 hours of no food to find the real Greg, which is, the real Greg is 48 hours of no food Greg. And the Greg you might meet on a Sunday night, which is my, my I mean, at three, I start feasting Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. By Sunday, it's my fourth feast in a row. Mm -hmm. I'm not good for much. I may be even a little irritable. I'm a little crabby, short-tempered, um, really not who I like to be. I can, I can get angry easily. I get my temper is short on a Sunday night. I've noticed that because um, I just don't have the resilience that I have when I'm, when I'm three days of no food. Do you think any of the fasting mimicking diets work, or do you think five days is like the minimum standard to get the benefits? I, I think everything in life is one step at a time. If you can simply start exercising today, you're going to do yourself great. If you can simply skip a meal today, you're going to do yourself a benefit. If you can go to an 18-hour fast today and a six-hour feeding period, every single step you can take is helpful. You know, in, in, in business and in life, you never know when that one last piece of effort in business, that one last phone call in a sales job, that one last effort to retain your health and wellness, that one last workout, 
is going to be the workout that prevents a cancer cell from forming, that prevents you from getting prostate cancer that keeps you alive. Right. We just don't know. Always put in the extra effort, even if it's the beginning. Great so advice. It, it, you know, everyone can benefit this from this program. I like to skip breakfast. Yeah, and lunch. And lunch, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, they just sharp all the way through work and eat a big dinner. Exactly, precisely. That's brilliant. Exactly. Yeah, it works. And for me, it's more practical, right? You eat food, brain goes to your, or blood goes to your tummy. You can't think as fast. Uh, you do that for breakfast uh, and lunch, and now you're sharp all day. Eat a nice dinner, enjoy it, and wait till the next day. And you put a cherry on top, get up, no breakfast, no lunch, work out, and then enjoy a nice dinner with your family and friends. That's a wonderful schedule. And if, if, if Americans did that schedule, we would cut our health in insurance expenses in half. We would cut our health care costs in half in this country. Zempic, I think, is doing that for us. Are you, I yeah. don't know if you're familiar with any of the, the new peptides that are available. One, it's swept the nation called Ozempic. Yes, I'm very familiar with them, yes. Yeah. I mean, not very, but yes. Do you think there's a role for that in Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, I'm worried about the long-term side effects of some of the things like Ozempic. Um, but some of the peptides are a little tamer and not quite as heavy duty as Ozempic. Yeah. I think you can. I think you can replicate with a careful balance of various peptides. You go to a longevity specialist, and maybe one of the longevity clinics are blossoming all over the country now, and a lot of uh, allied health practitioners are getting into longevity. If you can tailor um, a series of uh, peptides, and you can stand injection because they have to be injected. Yeah. Um, I think you can. I think you can mimic Ozempic without the heavy-duty drug. And Ozempic is a diabetic drug. It's it's pretty heavy-duty. And it could have some long-term side effects. Um, and so um, I'm, I'm a, if you can't fast or choose not to fast, I'm a big believer in all the other supplements, particularly, I mean, simple injectable NAD. Uh, NAD is very, very safe. It's very well regarded. And you inject it, it's the absolute best way to do it. So that's Every a very simple peptide. Yeah. I, I do subcutaneous NAD. That's wonderful. Uh, that would be the first one I did. If I was doing injectables, I would do NAD. I would consider epitalin. I've, there's not a lot of research on it. It's another one of these Russian <laughs> peptides, um, but uh, the research is very promising. I've, I've known people on epitalin, um, and uh, they've done well on it. Yeah. So, um, so tell me about your regimen. Are you using any peptides? Are you using any supplements now that you're out and you're fully involved in this, in this world? I'm using... No peptides, no drugs, no prescriptions, and the only thing I do is a multivitamin and a B-complex vitamin and a vitamin, uh, calcium and vitamin D. That's it. Very simple, basic multivitamins. And I only take them, I only take vitamins during my feast period. Mm. Um, my theory is, um, um, you know, if you can, the gold standard is calorie restriction. Everything else is very helpful if you can't calorie restrict or you choose not to. Yeah, I like how you take it from a, like an evolutionary perspective. We probably didn't have vitamins back in the day. We didn't. The caveman days. So. We didn't. That's, yeah. a, that's a great point. As long as you have a balanced diet, you should be getting everything that you need. That's a great observation. Balanced diet is absolutely critical. I, I have recently, shockingly, added a, a healthy salad to my, to my feast, and I feel a million times better. I, I was shocked I didn't. You know, in prison, we don't get big salads, so it just wasn't part of my program. <laughs> you're not going to get any salad in prison. Forget salad. about the salad. You get a couple little pieces of lettuce if you're lucky. Get a crouton. <laughs> yeah, ex you're not getting salads in prison. Don't, don't, never. Oh, man. Uh, Greg, for people who are listening to this and want to get involved in fasting, where can they pick up this book? 
my book is available on Amazon. Um, it's available on my website. Um, um, I priced it so it's, it just covers the cost on Amazon. Um, and, um, you know, if you, um, uh, if you like, you can go to greglinberg.com and, and read more about there as well. Cool. We'll link it down in the show notes, but that's Lifelong Quantum Biology, Anti-Aging Science, and the Cutting Edge Program that will transform your body and mind. Uh, definitely worth checking out. If you're watching this and you're not already fasted, hopefully this has inspired you to go start a fast. Um, I've done several three-day fasts in my life. I've never made it to five, but Greg, I think you inspired me to try and get to five. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always a blast having you. Wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome.